This is a life-changing message by the Apostle General Sam Crenshaw Ankara. Stay tuned. The subject I'm going to deal with is a subject that I should have dealt with earlier, earlier, earlier on. Why? Because in part, I am responsible for your financial struggles. However, I was asking God, why now? Then God said he kept me from touching this subject, one, because he was waiting for you to mature and to grow. Furthermore, the Lord said to me, 2012 is the time to feed you with this food. Because 12 is the number for government and order and establishment. 12 is the number for structure and direction. And the Lord said that there has been no structure in your lives, no structure in your finances. Your relationship don't stand solid. Many disappointments have come your way. And by the revelation of the word which is coming, I must now stop all these inconsistencies that have been appearing in your life, that your life is choked with. I must now bring order, structure, consistency, and direction to your life. God said 2012, 12 is the number for new beginnings, is the number for new levels. And that by this revelation, God is lifting you to new levels. And, and I just pray that I should trust your maturity, at least your intelligence, to listen and listen carefully and judge everything within your head and your heart. Comparing scripture to scripture, word to word. And if there is peace in your heart, then you know that God has appeared unto you. Don't do anything that you don't believe in. Just do if it's, an, if it's instructional. And God is speaking to you because he says my son, my daughter, you have struggled too much. Structure must not come into your life. Order must come into your life. You must move to the next level. So what is this revelation which is coming? It is on first fruit. First fruit. It will be plural in certain senses when we talk about first fruits in other uh, creations of God. But probably when we talk about first fruit as relating to your, your money and your sacrifices, we will call it first fruit. In the old Jewish practice, when God made a covenant with them, God then instructed them to give him his, their first fruit. And as farmers in those days, here was how difficult it was to determine one's first fruit. And this was the way it was determined. The first fruit of the increase of a farmer was judged and detected and discovered in the following manner. The farmer will cultivate the land, large acreage or large acres, 
It doesn't matter the stretch. The farmer then keeps watching and observing his seed as they sprout on daily basis. Why? Because he should be able to spot the first seed that sprouts and attempts to shoot its head from the ground towards the heavens. That particular sprouted seed then he ties the vine or the stem or the branch of it or any part of it with a red thread or yarn or scarlet to mark it with a red thread saying finally when all his seeds have grown to fruition and maturity and now they have borne the fruits and it is harvest time that particular one that sprouted first which was tied with the red scarlet, then the farmer plucks the fruits of that and comes to present those to God as his first fruit. And when they came to present the first fruit, the fruit was given to the high priest. The high priest would then carry the fruit in the basket and lift it over above his head towards the altar. Why not like this? God is trying to let him know that the fruit is carrying is lifted above him and that it is a fruit that belongs to the highest order. God. Therefore, raise it above your head to indicate to the high priest that he is carrying something that does not belong to him but God Almighty places the thing on the altar. Then he prays for the one who has brought the first fruit and then he now has the order and the blessing to go and enjoy the other fruit. Now what it does mean is that the other fruit and the other harvest are now blessed. May you now enjoy them. May they not become sicknesses to you as you eat them. Because I know certain people whose fruit instead of becoming a blessing are a curse. Oh, I know people who have bought cars and they couldn't use the cars. I know some who put up buildings and they couldn't sleep in the buildings because they did not honor God with their first fruit. I know people who have worked hard and made money, but just when they were going to enjoy their money, they fell sick and went to hospital and spent all their money on medicine and medication. Oh, now God is saying, when you present your first fruit, he now blesses what you have. So what you have will be sufficient and it will be a blessing to your body, to your family, and to your life and your future. The first fruit is also a law. A spiritual law. It is an ordinance. It's, it's a statute. Oh. And, and when we talk about statute, the the the, the politicians here know the law will have to pass through parliament different stages they will debate it after they are satisfied it, it will go to the executive and the president will append his signature and then it will become law once it becomes law that's it it's a statute they put it in what we call the statutory books the law books 
So first fruit, God then established it as a law, as a covenant, as a, as a, as a statute for the people of Israel to follow after it. And here is the way he puts the law in Exodus chapter number 13 and verse number 10. Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 10. You shall therefore keep this ordinance. You shall keep this law in the season from year to year. And so if you are already entertaining the idea oh, that this must be an Old Testament order and it has nothing to do with the New Testament church, you are beginning to change your mind. Even though by the time I finish, I would have convinced you with more scriptures, you follow this year after year. He did not tell them when it must stop. Verse 11. Verse 11. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, something will happen in verse number 12. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. And so the law then stretches from farm produce to animals and to men. All that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. The male shall be the Lord. So here's what the Lord is saying. If you are a shepherd and you have 200 she goats, any one of the she goats that brings forth for the first time a male that is set apart, that is a first fruit, you give it to God. Each and every 200 of them. How about if they bring forth women? If they bring forth she goats, then you set them apart. That's one, they don't belong to God. You keep the she goat. And then somebody said, oh, but that's not fair. Why would the men be set apart and women not be set apart? But God in his wisdom, here's what he wants to do. Because he wants the sacrifices to be continuous from generation to generation. He wants to sustain the lineage of the she goats to be able to produce more. As a matter of fact, those of us who rear animals, we, we endear the female more than the male. As a matter of fact, any time we want to kill, we kill the male. So, so the, the first of the issues, if it's a he goat, he animal, set apart, first fruit, it's for God. Wow! Then somebody says, but that's, that's a lot. Oh, compared with the blessings. Oh, those people did this one with joy. They can come to the temple and say, ah, over the weekend, 20 of my she-goats gave birth and all of them gave birth to 11 he-goats. He will bring all the 11 and after that, God will mysteriously and miraculously open the womb of the she-goat and they will start giving birth and giving oh. Those days, one shepherd could have as many as 3 million of these animals. Three million, one person. <laughs> oh no, God bless those guys. God bless those guys because those guys understood the law of God. So, the law also stretches to animals. And then it says, but if every firstborn of a donkey 
you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons also shall be redeemed. There are only two sacrifices you will not do. Number one, if it's a donkey, you don't bring the donkey. You exchange the donkey for a lamb. If you don't want to give another lamb because it's a donkey, then break its neck. What it means is that you don't enjoy God as you enjoy. Nobody enjoys it. Because the thing is for God. So God will not permit you to touch it. God will prefer break its neck and bury it. <laughs> Why? Because of the spiritual consequences if you touch God's first fruit. They are too devastating. So God said, look, to spare you the, the consequences, break its neck and throw it away. But the donkeys also acted as traveling animals for them. So certainly, they will not break the neck of the donkey. It was more profitable to exchange the donkey with a lamb. And then, another sacrifice God will not take is human sacrifice. If your firstborn was a male, you would not have to sacrifice your firstborn. You would have to exchange it for a lamb. That's the law. Now, verse number 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this that you shall say to him by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So here are people who celebrate first fruit. People who have been brought out of bondage. People who have been saved from darkness. People who are born again. They are those who celebrate first fruit. And uh, when do we stop it? We don't stop it. We hand over to our sons. So it shall come to a time when your sons ask you, Daddy, why do you carry these things to the house of God? Then you will answer, it is because God delivered me from the hands of the wicked one. When I was nobody and I was nothing. When, when, when I didn't have anybody who would pay my school fees. When, when, when I, I walked through disappointments and, 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 and when, when I didn't have a job, I, I, I went to the house of God and the man of God prayed and preached for me. And, and that is the reason why I am blessed. When I was nothing, I was nobody. I didn't know my father. My father didn't raise me. And this man of God preached constantly and consistently and encouraged me and I looked up to him as a father. Today, I am also a father and I have a wife and I have children. So therefore, you hand over the practice to your sons. And your sons to it, a generation and generation and generation. And, and the reason why I am opening my heart to teach you these things is because, number one, you are young. And I'm handing over an inheritance to you. Number two, you understand and you run with this vision. Oh, I'm, I'm not looking for millions of dollars from you because you don't have. But I'm handing over knowledge. I'm having, handing over revelation to you. When you catch this revelation, our world will be a better place. Now, now see how God puts it in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With your first fruit of all your increase. Honor. Honor. The word is honor. The word is honor. The word is honor. 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 Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With your wealth. Once God blesses you, know that that blessing is for God's honor. Not your boasting and not your, your, your greed and, and, and your pride. and uh, You want everybody to know that you are who? 
And then he says, he says, with the first fruits. Now he gives a reason why you should do that. Then your bonds, your bonds will be your account, your bank account. In those days, it will be the food, the, the storehouse where they kept their food. Today, we, we keep food in the fridge. So your fridge and your freezer can be your bank. Your bank account can also be your bank. So that your bank will, your bonds will be filled to overflowing and your vats, your vats will be the containers in which they kept their fruit juices. They are, they are, they are grape juices, the orange juices, the, the wine juice, the, no, no, the, the uh, mango juice, the guava juice. All the juices where you keep them will brim with new wine. So there's a reason. When you honor God with your first fruit, then he opens the door for your blessing, for the increase of your burn, your account. Now I'm interested in the word honor. Honor the Lord. You cannot define honor. What you honor a person with has to do with the status of the person. If you want to buy me a pair of shoes and you want me to wear the pair of shoes so that you'll be happy that what you bought for me, I use it. There must be honor in that pair of shoes. What honor are we talking about here? You have to look at the size of the man. And then look at what he's wearing presently. And find out whether the one you are going to buy, you wear it. Because you know that there are different levels and different prices of shoes. We have some that are made with good quality, leather. And they are a little bit expensive. And then we have some that are also made with inferior and they are also made with a certain quality of material. And then we have mixture. So, so is the man bluffing? No. If you buy me the low quality one, I would thank you and I will appreciate it. But for, for heaven's sake, I will not use it. What I will do is to pass it on to somebody of a lower grade who needs it and who will love that kind of level and whose level is that level. For that person, I've honored him. Because that's his level. But for me, you did not honor. It's not because you are wicked, but you simply don't know it. So, honor God with your wealth you now look at the status of the man. How big is he is, his glory, what he means in your life. And when you are honoring him, honor him by his level. Don't reduce God for heaven's sake. Don't reduce him. You are getting confused by now. First fruit. What, what is first fruit? How different it is from tithe. I, I've been praying my tithe already. Now I'm going to now establish with you, to you that first fruit is different from tithing. Let's check Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse number 4. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse number 4. 
Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 4. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. What such things? In verses 1, 2, 3, he has already spoken to the children of Israel and said, as you go to the land that I am giving to you, as you go to the place that I am delivering to you for your rest, now you meet certain people over there and they use certain things in worshipping me. What are those things? Idols, graven images, stones, images, so and so and so, and, and, and things like that. Those are the things they use in worshipping worshiping me. But as for you, you will not use such things in worshipping me. So what are the things are we going to use to worship God? This, this, is, this is the creator. That is, that is what he wants. Why are we arguing about it? Why are we fighting it? Here is what he says we should worship him with. But you, you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go and do what? Worship him. You shall, you shall seek the place that the Lord has chosen. You will seek the place that the Lord has chosen. I want you to know that sacrifices like first fruit and tithe, you don't just take it to any place. You take them to certain places that God has chosen. And the only place God has chosen for you to pay your tithes, your sacrifices and other sacrifices is the place, number one, where you receive covering. Two, the place where you receive spiritual food. The place where God has established you for your covering and your covenant. That's where you go, that's where God has chosen. There are many of you that are under the illusion that, oh, as for tithe, it's, it's God that you give to. So, if I like, I'll pay my tithe to Royal House Chapel. If I like, I'll pay my tithe somewhere. That is a fallacy. The one who taught you this is, 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 is misleading you to hell. You, number two, you don't take your tithe and divide it. And say, I am taking uh, part of my tithe to uh, 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 SOS uh, uh, charity. And, no, 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 no. Your tithe and your sacrifices, which God is going to name here, must go to a particular place God has chosen. Where? Where you are fed spiritually. Where you receive spiritual covering. Where in future, when you are going to get married, you'll be married. Where, when the Lord calls you home, your funeral will be celebrated. Your church. Your church altar. That's the place God has chosen. So, shouldn't we go give to charity? You can give to charity after you have set up those sacrifices. So, if you are in the habit of taking your these sacrifices God is talking about to other places, stop it today because you will never obtain any blessing. You are paying it at the place God has not chosen. Now, what are those sacrifices? Verse 6. Then you shall take your burnt offerings. Number one. Two, your sacrifices. Three, your fights. Your tithes. Tithes. Your heave offerings of your hand. Your heave offerings will also mean special offerings. Special offerings. And I'm going to explain to you what those offerings are right now. Heave offerings, special offerings of your hand. Then your vowed offerings, also commonly called pledges or vows. Your vows. And then your free will offering, the one we have just taken uh, when we came in free will, thanksgiving offering, first offering, or access offering. 
and then your firstborn, the firstborn of your head, the firstborn of your head, the flock, the firstborn of your head and flock. And so you notice that the firstborn or the first fruit is mentioned there as well as tithe. As well as other offerings called bent, your sacrifices, your tithe, the heaven, the offerings of your hand, your vows, etc., etc. These are six types of offerings that when you come before God, he expects you to put on the altar where he has chosen. What do those fights mean? What do those sacrifices mean? There is this portion which says other sacrifices. What are they? Number one, burnt offerings. What are burnt offerings? Burnt offerings are offerings that you give to God for dedication. When you buy a car and then you bring the car for dedication, you give God an offering for the dedication. When you buy a piece of land and your land has been dedicated, you give God an offering for the dedication of your land. When you put up a house and the house is dedicated, you give God an offering. All those who have bought cars and the cars were dedicated and they didn't bring God offerings, they are owing God. Run and pay those offerings before you lose those cars. You know what it means? When you give God that dedication offering, then God blesses the use of the car. You will now enjoy the use of it. It won't bring you troubles. Bent offerings. Dedication. Those of you who love to study scriptures, when you read Leviticus chapter 1, 1 to 17, 17, you find it there. Leviticus 1, 1 to 17. Leviticus chapter 6, 8 to 13. Leviticus 6, 8 to 13. Another other sacrifice is grain offering. Grain offering also is a thanksgiving offering. Thanksgiving offering. Thanksgiving offering. When God does something for you, you have to thank him. After your marriage, wedding, bring him a thanksgiving offering. After the dedication of your baby, give him a thanksgiving offering. When you open a new job, give him a thanksgiving offering. When you travel and you arrive safely, give him a thanksgiving offering. When you receive a new job, give him a new th- give him a thanksgiving. You give God thanksgiving always. Why? You are simply telling God in your thanksgiving, God, you gave it to me and I cannot only thank you with my mouth, so I am expressing my appreciation. And that's the way God wants it. Why, why do you challenge? How? Leviticus chapter 2, 1 to 16. Leviticus chapter 2, 1 to 16. And then chapter 16, 14 to 23. Chapter 16, 14 to 23. Those of you who like Bible studies, that's for you. And then another offering which comes under other sacrifices is peace offering. Peace offering. After all the ceremonies are done, you need to give God a peace offering so that you will enjoy that particular day, that particular journey, that particular thing God has given to you. You can find that one in Leviticus chapter 4, 1 to 35. Leviticus 4, 1 to 35. Leviticus 6, 24 to 30. 6, 24 to 30. 4, 1 to 35. 
And then another offering which comes on a special offering is guilt offering. Guilt offering. Guilt offering. Which is also called repentance offering. When you know that you have done the wrong and you ask God to forgive you, follow it up with an offering. Leviticus 5, 1 to 6. Leviticus 5, 1 to 6. And then Leviticus 7, 1 to 10. 7, 1 to 10. 5, 1 to 6. 7, 1 to 10. The Hebrew word for first fruit is bikurim. Bikurim. B-I-K-K-U-R-I-M. And then there's another Hebrew word, beko. B-E-K-H-O-R. Beko. Beko. Bikurim, beko are two Hebrew words that define first fruit. And those words combined simply mean number one, promise to come. A promise to come. A promise to come. An expectation. The first fruit must bring you an expectation. First fruit must bring you an expectation. When you give God your first fruit, you should expect something. It's an expectation. Something to come. Promise to come. Number two, it also means firstborn. 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 Three, it means set apart. Set apart. Four, it also means marked. 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 Marked by something. Marked with something. Marked with something. Marked. The thing is be marked. Set apart. It's not yours. It's for somebody. Set apart. Marked. It's a firstborn. Firstborn. How do you determine your first fruit in our time? How do you determine the first fruit in our time? When do you give God the first fruit in our days? How do you determine it? How do you calculate it? And when do you pay? Ah, I will not give you any figuration. I will give you the pure word of God. Come to Exodus chapter number 12. Come to Exodus chapter number 12. Verse number 1. Exodus chapter 12 verse number 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Saying, Ah, now look at where God spoke to them. In the land of Egypt. Because something was going to happen. An expectation was going to be met. He spoke to them in the land of Egypt. He said, this month shall be your beginning of months. This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And so God is talking about the first month of the year, which in our time is January. First month of the year, January. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father. A lamb for a household. Verse number 4. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goat. It will be a sacrifice without blemish. A sacrifice without blemish. 
I'm giving you an inheritance. Your sacrifice must never be, it must be blameless. I don't know how I can describe a sacrifice that has blemish. I don't know. But I know how to describe somebody that at least something is not right. I know that there is a mark over here. What that mark means, I don't know. I also see another one here. What it means, I don't know. I see probably like hot water. She was born with it. The two elder sisters have this mark. If you ask me what they mean, has any doctor told you what they mean? No doctor. But we have questions to answer. The first thing anybody who sees this girl will ask, oh, how did the water pour on you? I've never been asking you that question. I am not a doctor. I am not a doctor. But when I see a sick person, I know a sick person by the way a sick person walks. And the expression on the sick person's face. And then I would just ask, what is wrong with you? Is it your stomach? Pastor, I don't know. Is it your head? I don't know. Is it your liver? I can't tell. How about kidney? Pastor, I don't know. How about your pancreas? I don't know. How about your heart? I don't know. All I know is that I am sick. I know something is wrong. But what is wrong? I don't know. I can't tell. But surely something is wrong. I'm sick. So is the way God tells a sacrifice that is unwholesome. When God sees a sacrifice which has blame or which is blemished, God sees that something is wrong. That sacrifice is deficient of love. There is no love in that sacrifice. God sees it. Say this sacrifice, I can't take it. God sees a sacrifice, a sacrifice, and God says this sacrifice is deficient of sincerity and honesty. This tithe that this person is paying is not the tithe, proper tithe. It doesn't represent one tenth of what I gave him. He has undercut it. There's no truth. There's no sincerity in this sacrifice, this particular money. Oh, it has nothing to do with how old the money is or how new. God is looking at the deficiencies. What has made the sacrifice and the animals sick? The liver or the pancreas or the intestines. So also are our sacrifices. Some sacrifices we bring to God. God looks at it and says, this is not the first fruit. It's not. He has used some of the money and he's coming to test me. I am the creator. And I said, when you come before me, bring me burnt offerings and bring me tithes and special offerings and special sacrifices and bring me first fruit and pay your pledges and your vows. Is it too much for God to ask this from his sons and daughters? 
And when we choose to bring, we come and just throw anything in the face of God. You are not sincere. You are not honest. You are trying to lie to God. You didn't know before. Now you know it. Why is God putting demands and claim on your first fruit? He's not negotiating for it. No. The first fruit shall be mine. You set it apart. Mark it. Honor me with it. So, so it, it's a demand. It's a claim. God, God says he has a hold on that first fruit. In the first month of every year. Why? Because number one, sacrifices that we bring to God are a doorway for God's visitation. They create an atmosphere for God's visitation. Oh, come on, take it from me. In the time that you have to bless God, I want you to know that you are just opening the doorway. You are opening the doorway. It's a spiritual key. You are opening the doorway for God to come through. When you don't give him the sacrifices, the tithe, the first fruit, and the other sacrifices that he has spoken about, all that you are doing is that you are shutting the door for God to come through. Don't blame anyone. Don't. So number one, it it, it creates an atmosphere or a doorway for God's visitation. Number two, Number two, why should you give God sacrifices, including first fruit? Because it is an ordinance. It's a law. It's a pattern of worship. This is the way God wants to be worshipped. This is the way. He is God. You are man. You don't dictate to him. He dictates to you. You are giving it to me. He says, this shoe, I cannot wear it. You can't force God. That's his pattern. That's the pattern. He says, don't worship me with such things as the others do. But as for you, worship me with the following. One, two, three, four, five, six, including tithe, including first fruit. He says, you should worship him with it. Here is another reason. Here is number three reason. It, it, it ignites covenant. You, you see, you, you, are, you are a covenant person. God has a covenant relationship with you. And, and what ignites the covenant? What activates the covenant? What, what activates the covenant? What, what shoots the covenant into, into performance are these sacrifices. Period. This is God. This is God. If you love a woman, spend money and buy a ring and put it on her finger and seal the covenant with a ring. If you love somebody, you express it by a gift. So, God wants this one. God wants it. There. So, God loves it when you worship him with your tongue. God loves it when you worship with your, your, your mouth. God loves it when you worship him in music and song. But more than worshiping him music and song, he also wants you to express what is in your heart. What is in your heart is expressed through your sacrifices. 
that expression God wants it he wants it he demands it it's a claim it's a claim it's a claim my son my daughter it is a claim God has a hold on it don't deny him don't deny him don't deny him it, it activates the covenant number one it, it creates an atmosphere a doorway for God's visitation number two it's a pattern of, of, of God's worship number three it activates the covenant number four it's an expression of what is in your heart it's an expression of what is in your heart when your heart is filled with God's love you see it in expression in what you give to God and sometimes you don't mind when you have to open your purse and you are giving to God you can count and count as if you are a fool it's love you are not a fool you just love God you just love God 31st night my wife and I we wrote our check and we put it on the altar because what we said was that God has done so much for us in a year what do we have to thank God with oh and you because you are a student who told you God didn't bless you as a student who told you because you don't work how because I don't have a, a big job if you cannot pay tithe on 50 Ghana gift when God give you $500,000 it will be more difficult because the tithe on $500,000 is so huge that when you are writing five, a tithe on $500,000 is $50,000. When you are going to write $50,000 to God, your hands will start shaking because the $50,000 can buy you one house. But why it is very easy to give God a tithe on 50 Ghana is because the tithe of 50 Ghana is 5 Ghana. You know that the 5 Ghana is chicken feet. So you can throw that one to God. And if that one you can't give to God, forget it, you won't get to 500000 God won't take you there. Because you failed all the tests at 50 Ghana. You can't pass the test at $500,000. It's an expression. Number five. Our sacrifices, including tithes and offerings and first fruit, they are a battle weapon. They are a battle weapon. They are a battle weapon. They are weapons for, for defeating Satan. In case you didn't know this one, know this one today. Now the scripture that we have just read now says... You pay your first fruit in the first month of January. And then it says, again, it must be the firstborn of the first year of the male sheep, male cow, goat. And then he said to them, when you kill that lamb, you will smear the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of every house where there are Israelites. Because at 12 midnight on that day, I will pass through the land. And when I pass through the land, any house that I don't see the mark of the blood is the house of Pharaoh and his followers. God says, I will kill the firstborn of every Egyptian from Pharaoh to the young man that sits at the corn meal. And then when I finish, because first fruit passes from men to animals and to farm product, I will now attack 
the first bones of all the animals and I'll kill them. Reason. Pharaoh should have known that the first born of every Egyptian belonged to God. The first born of every animal was God. God had a mark and a hold on it. He had refused to give these things to God and furthermore he had used them to fight God. And when the Israelites came and said, now leave us. God says we should go and give him those sacrifices which you are refusing to give him. He says, neither would I let you go. And God said, now Pharaoh, you push me to the wall. I can't stand this anymore. I can't stand this one anymore. I am going to kill. Reason. God will kill any firstborn that has been withheld from him. What is supposed to be given to God, the animal that you don't give to him, God will kill it and God will destroy it. Hey, I want you to run and start giving God your first fruit before God's anger turns are on you. First, you didn't know, but now you know it. He hasn't finished. He says, this same firstborn animal that you have killed, this face and first fruit, the blood in it will not be a covering and a protection. When the angel of death comes through, he will spare that house that had the firstborn's mark separated. And I will go and I will kill Pharaoh. The firstborns. Their first fruits. Their animals. I will kill. And then God added, there will be such a great cry in Egypt, such as has never taken place. Because in one day, all that they have withheld from God, God was taking everything away. Hey, please, don't fight God. I beg you. Don't. Don't bring yourself to that place. What is the difference between first fruit and tithe? Tithe is the one-tenth of what gives you. The first fruit is all that God gives you in the first month of the first year of every year. When do you stop it? You stop it after you have given your sons. You have handed over to your sons. And your sons will continue. Generation after generation. When your sons ask you, Papa, why do you do this? Tell them because God delivered us from the hands of Pharaoh. Simple servants, how do you pay your first fruit? Very simple. When you receive your January salary, you just go to the account, you write a check to cover it all. Or you withdraw it and you put it in an envelope. And I'm going to show you that the envelope must have the color red. Hairdresser, dressmaker, trader, how do you pay your first fruit? In January, all the sales that you make, first week, you write the money down. Second week, you write it down. Third week, you write it down. There are four weeks in the month. And then the fourth week, you write it down. And then you put all the monies together. That sales that you have done in the whole of the month, January, is marked by God. God has a hold and a claim on it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. 
don't touch it. If I wasn't working in January and I got work in March, when do I pay my first fruit? That's March. As soon as you get it, that money is for God. When you are working, it is in the first month, in the first year, January. If you are not working, you don't have any source of income. Whenever you get the job, February, March, December, November, immediately that money, that money, that money, that money, it belongs to God. God, God is not, not, it's not negotiating it. I want, I want you to understand this one. It's worship. It's an atmosphere. He, he wants to come through and bless you. Businessman. Businessman. When do you pay your first fruit? The first business check that you receive. If it is in January, it's for God. If it comes in March or whatever, that is for God. It, first fruit is called firstborn. It is called number one. It is called the first visitation. It's for God. Ah, let me also answer this question. So, so pastor, what happens to the tithe in that particular month, especially January, for those of you who are working continuously, and then those of you who get uh, the job uh, uh, later in the, in the month, what happens to the tithe? All right. You have the envelope for first fruit will be red in color. Why red in color? Because in the ancient practice, they will look for the first seed that is sprouting. And they will tie it with a red scarlet and say, this one is for God. When it grows, it's fruit. Clap your hands and say, it belongs to you. Say, Father, all I have is yours. Christianity is not for small boys and small girls. Faith is for mature Christians. Now, God wants to feed you on bones and meat so you can run. Too much of cocoa will make you like vegetable. I don't know who writes you off and who thinks that you, you don't qualify. It's okay. There is something that qualifies you. It is called covenant. Judah had received the covenant blessing from his father Jacob. After three of his seniors have been disqualified, the first was Reuben. Reuben, you will not excel. Get away. Simon, Levi, you are too, you are too angry. Your anger, if I give you the birthright, you will kill everybody with cutlass. Move off. Judah, you are whom your brothers will praise. The setter of authority and rulership shall not depart from your hand. Oh, you are number four. But today, I transpose you from number four to number one. By the oil and the anointing of the Lord in my mouth, I declare you Judah. The Messiah shall come from thee. A king called David shall be born out of you. I will establish my covenant with him. And then out of his house shall come the Messiah. That's, that's Judah. Judah's three sons who must inherit him, they were all vagabonds. So they died mysteriously marrying one woman. The first one was married to this woman called Tamar and then died suddenly. God killed him. And then by the 
Jewish tradition, Tamar must now marry the second born to raise children for the brother. He too didn't want to do it, so God killed him. When God killed him, who was Tamar to go and explain to Judah that it's God who has killed his two sons? So for them, Tamar was a witch who was killing her husbands. So the third born who must marry her, then Judah said, look, I can't spare this. Two of my sons are dead. I, I don't want to risk the life of the third one. So, you know, Tamar, go to your father's house. Go and mourn your two husbands. When the third born grows, I'll call you to come and marry him. Judah never went to call Tamar again. And Tamar was growing in old age. And the third born had also grown. And she heard that Judah didn't want this woman Tamar to marry his son. Then one day, she heard that Judah was going to town for celebration. It was a feast of a celebration of harvest. And people were killing sheep and making merry. At this time, Judah's wife was dead. And so when Judah was going, this woman said, look, I won't wear this morning gown anymore. So she removed the, the, the morning gown. Oh, there comes a time when you must remove your morning gown. When covenant begins to activate inside of you, when something tells you that you don't belong there, you must move. You have to remove your morning garment and put on a new garment of righteousness. Clap your hands and shout a big amen. Let me know you are here. Give me a second one. Let me feel you. Give me a third one. Let me know you are about to prosper. Then Tamar went and took position at the gate where Judah would be entering and dressed like a prostitute. Beautiful woman. And when Judah got there, Judah told this armor bearer, can you ask the lady to come over and see me? So in their room, then Judah said, it's been a long time since I refreshed myself and I want to refresh myself. And then the woman said, how much are you paying me? He said, I'll give you one piece of goat. And then the woman said, but the goat is not here. How sure I am that you will pay me back? Then Judah said, all right, take my staff, my signet, and then my something like a bracelet. So like a ring, a bracelet, and a staff. Keep them. When I bring the goat, then I take the things back. So they spent the night together. The woman took the things away. Then the following day, Judah sent his armor bearer to go and pay the goat and then bring his items. The woman was nowhere to be found. So they gave up on the search. Then over time, three months later, Judah heard that his daughter-in-law, the wife of his two dead sons, who was supposed to be mourning, was pregnant. Meaning that she had gone to marry, breaking the tradition. So Judah said, hey, this is against the law. Bring her. She's going to die now, 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 now. So they summoned this woman and then they were about to throw stones at her according to their law. Then the woman said, before you kill me, ask the crowd that is here judging me. Whose items are these? The staff, the ring, and then the bracelet. Who did they belong to? Then they went and showed to Judah. Judah said they are mine. Then the woman said, that is the father of the baby I'm carrying right now. The things belong to him. Then Judah said, I have impregnated my daughter-in-law. But he, he didn't know. But covenant must be fulfilled. His children must be written in the genealogy. 
and he was about to die and he had not raised any children. Meanwhile, Jacob had pronounced blessing upon his life. And a poor innocent woman who had lost two husbands and she didn't even know why they died is being accused of being a witch. And God said, I have to turn this woman's life around. I have to do something. That's what God is going to do for somebody. You've been accused falsely. God is going to vindicate you. They have called you names. God is going to vindicate you. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. Clap and say, shout, yes. So they left the woman. And the pregnancy grew. And then on day of delivery, something strange happened. When the woman started laboring, they were twins. So the first one that came out, then the woman didn't want to mix the two up because she was a nurse on duty and she must be able to tell which one came first because the Jewish people don't joke with their firstborns rights and position. So she must identify the firstborn. So the first one showed his hand and then quickly she tied the hand with a red cord to show that this one came first. But for some reason, after the woman pushed and the babies were coming, the first one who showed his hand never came first. It was the other one that came first. And so the mother said, this one shall be called Perez. Then the one who came first but went back Behold and alas, he already had the red band on his hand. So they called him Zerah. Then the Lord said to me, check Matthew chapter 1, the tree of Jesus Christ, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Then I saw, and Abraham begat Isaac. I said, wrong, wrong, wrong information, but revelational. Abraham begat two boys. Ishmael and Isaac but one person's name was missing who was Ishmael the transfer of grace had fallen upon Isaac so Isaac appears in the genealogy then he said Isaac begat Jacob I said wrong information because Isaac begat twins a set of twins but you notice that in the genealogy they don't bother about twins they are not writing names of twins they are writing people with God's hand people with transfer People that God had appointed. People that God had ordained. They are the people whose names are appearing there. They don't care about twins. So Jacob and Esau, they left Esau's name. And then they put Jacob over there. And then they said, Jacob begat Judah and his brothers. Two brothers, they didn't mention anybody's name. They mentioned Judah. Because Judah had the right, the blessing, the hand of God. And they left, they left Reuben. They left all the others. They said, Judah and his brothers. And they were even lucky that they mentioned his brothers because Jacob had blessed them and given them inheritance. So they were even lucky that by connection to Judah, their names were written there. Oh, 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 oh. They, were, they were recognized. Their names were not written. They were recognized as brothers. Then when they came to Judah, they said, and Judah begat Perez and Zerah. So I said, what is the name of the second twin doing there? His name shouldn't have appeared. They are doing dealing with firstborns. But alas, when he appeared, they had already put the red scarlet on his hand. Meaning that God had marked him. God has set him apart. God has separated him. And so this is the first fruit. 
So even though physically he didn't show up as number one in the realms of the spirit, God had already taken him and accepted him as the first fruit. And at the first fruit, they found a place for him in the genealogy. And as I looked through the genealogy, I also saw a certain woman. And I said, who is this woman? Rahab, prostitute. I said, hey, the grace of God can change things. And God said, you, you haven't finished crying. Go through again. And I saw another woman, Ruth. Gentile, Moab. He, she too, her husband died. And she left a Gentile country and came to Israel as an adopted girl. Slave girl, picking pieces of corn and maize from the ground. Married to Boaz. And her name appears. And God said, you haven't finished. Check. There is a third woman over there. And what was that third woman there? Uh, uh, and then, uh, uh, Rehab, Rehab, Ruth. And then there's a third woman. Tama, Tama, Tama. They said, they said, Perez and whom Tama begat. Her name appears. Oh, somebody, your name will appear somewhere. Ah. Your name will appear. Why should the envelope be read? The envelope should be read because the envelope should be read because in Royal House Chapel originally we pay tithes in white and offerings and thanksgiving and other gifts we put it in white envelopes. You must now differentiate between Perez and Zerah. So whenever you carry the red envelope, God knows that is your first fruit. January or February or any other month that you get the money. Hey God, how can I live the whole month without salary? Oh, you've forgotten that when you didn't have a job, you were living without a salary. So you can do it and you can do it more. When you are not working, you were living. You will not die. This is an opportunity to test God. Test him. And see how faithful. And see why those patriots, those fathers of ours, were running to the house of God with their first fruit. Even if they had 200 female sheep who were delivering meals, carrying them to God. Because God was proving himself faithful. You see the red envelopes. The red envelopes will always be at the protocol desk as well. Uh, for anyone. When you want to give God your first fruit, you just go and take the red envelope. Let me now answer this question. Is there a possibility of carrying both white and red envelope at the same time? Yes. Why? Because in the month that you are paying your first fruit, remember that you are also paying your tithe in that month. So you take your tithe, which is one tenth first, put it in the white envelope. Then all the rest represent the first fruit in the red envelope. The, the, the joy of first fruit is that you pay it once a year or once you get a new job or once you get an increase. That's all. Once a year. We come Connect with the Apostle General on Twitter at Sam Crunchy, Facebook and Instagram, Sam Crunchy Anchor. Share your prayer requests and testimonies via info at royalhousechapel.org. Royal House Chapel, touching our generation with the power of God. God richly bless you. Yes.